This is the Mouths of the South podcast. You shut your mouth when you're talking to me. The official Dirty South Soccer podcast. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Talking all things Atlanta United FC. Don't nobody understand the words that are coming out of your mouth, man. We are the Mouths of the South. The South got something to say. That's all I got to say. What's up, Atlanta? This is the Mouths of South podcast brought to you by Dirty South Soccer, not in the palatial 68 of the fan studios in our respective domiciles. I am Eric Quintana. He is Sam Franco, Josh Bagriansky on my screen and finally coming back to you in your ears. Long awaited. Two weeks it's been, I think. Yeah, happy new year, guys. <laughs> has it been that long? Yeah, I mean, oh, everybody, long. everybody thought 2020 <laughs> I thought you was were like, joking, and I was like, oh, it hasn't been that long. Everybody thought 2020 is in the rearview mirror and like, oh, 2021 is going to be great. Well, you know, so far, what, uh, eight days in, seven days in? Uh, I'm, worried yeah, about Jan- I'm worried about January 20th. That's the day the Simpsons, you know, pro- proclaimed or uh, predicted that the robots are going to take over everything. So. Right. Well, we've got to have this podcast to talk about the, the important <laughs> issues like, are Atlanta United going to get a center mid? I mean, hey. You'll see me on the Capitol steps if we don't get an eight. I'll tell you that right now. And Tito Vijalba forever trolling Eric Quintana. We can never get away from yeah. Tito just being around Atlanta. As United. always, no one covers the real life issues like us here at Mouse. Oh, for South. sure. So that was uh, that was one of the more uh, not surprising articles that I've seen. Um, I I do like the Felipe the Tito Cardenas. piece. Yeah, I do like the Felipe Cardenas kind of goes out and finds you know the former Atlanta United players. I think he's done with LGP too, right? Yeah. Um, and, and he, you know, gets the, it's, it's the, the aftermath of the, of the Frank DeBoer experience. Um, and so, you know, obviously Tito Vijalba was a player that, that was almost unceremoniously just thrown off the team for lack of a better phrasing. Um, he's a player that wanted more playing time and, and now in Paraguay, uh, but he, he's a player that in the, in the piece that Felipe Cardenas wrote, uh, for the athletic, uh, he's a player that would welcome the idea of coming back to Atlanta. He actually still has a house here in Atlanta. He would welcome the idea of coming back to Atlanta if Atlanta United should come calling for him. I have a, I have to think that now that we've got a a, a guy like Heinze um, as a manager, you're looking at the same sort of thoughts from LGP um, and really anyone else that's played with Atlanta United in the past. First of all, who wouldn't want to come back to Atlanta? I mean, it's the greatest city in the world for a in reason. In the article, I, I was surprised. In the article, Tio Vijalba claims that he, he, when soccer's career is done, he's going to come back and live in Atlanta. Hell yeah. Which I mean, amazing. that's what it is. Amazing. Everybody that is starting that, to find that the out. Team, that the team in the city has had that kind of effect on him, that, that, he's, I mean, that, he, that he's fallen in love with the city like that. All around the world, everybody's starting to figure it out that Georgia and Atlanta are the places to be going forward. But in all seriousness, I mean – of course he misses it. I mean, you know, he, he had a good rapport with his teammates here. And obviously, you know, just just saying this, if it did happen, like if he were to come back, it would be a lot different, you know, of a looking team than the one he left. But at the same time, you know, there, there's, there's still Joseph Martinez. There, there's still some pieces and guys that, you know, he got to be pretty close with. And I, I think overall, like who wouldn't want to recreate some really good memories? I mean, his first two seasons here, uh, were fantastic. I mean, you know, just in terms of, I mean, look, I'm going to put aside Eric's 
thoughts on his playing style and everything for a second, <laughs> but just the, the amount of winning the team did, the fanfare surrounding the team, the hype surrounding the team, the fan support that the team had. I mean, for a, for a player, uh, you know, coming from South America to the United States and, and trying to make their way, I mean, the way that Atlanta United sort of debuted and hit the ground running, I mean, it, it, was, it was just a, a perfect scenario for these players to come in and really see this team not only play well, and because I think obviously that's what's most important to players is they want to go to a team that's playing well and, and where they can, you know, showcase their talents. But secondarily, I mean, the fan support just had to have blown these guys away. I, I don't think they even expected uh, Atlanta United to have as crazy a fan support as they did from the jump. So, you know, I, I can, I can only imagine the nostalgia that Tito Vichalba has when he thinks about Atlanta United, thinks about his time here. And, and thinks about winning an MLS Cup here. Yeah, and I think that's that's a big part of it, right? I mean, I think maybe no player, maybe LGBT, LGP as well, but I don't think any player embodied and suffered more from the shift to Frank DeBoer than Tito Vijalba mm-hmm. did. Uh, I mean, what we you know, certainly it's Tito, right? Because he he uh, you know he's, he, he was out of the starting lineup and wasn't even a you know under Tata Martino when he wasn't in the lineup. He was still a big piece off the bench, and we started to see him coming in the 86th, 87th minute of matches. So when you read through the piece, I mean, basically he gives the uh, intimation that, that we heard from LGP and other players that Frank DeBoer came in and wanted to change a lot of things that, uh, that certainly weren't broken. And then on top of that, you know, I think that there was, uh, and we're learning this from his sentiments about Atlanta, you know, when he left, I think the idea was that he wanted to go. He, uh, and, and he did want to go for playing time. But I think the idea was that he had generally become disillusioned uh with the club and really we're seeing here it's specifically basically frank DeBoer and and the philosophy that he brought in um so on the, on the one hand um it's great to hear him mention those thoughts about atlanta united but certainly this piece by felipe and you got to go read it. there's a bunch of explosive quotes from tito in here but this post post specifically when you consider he was the player that i think suffered the most from frank DeBoer coming to atlanta these really hammer home the mistake of that hiring and just how bad things got. And uh, in a lot of ways, it sounded like Tito was happy that he was able to get off a sinking ship in time. One last thing I'll say, though, we're going to talk about Tito Vijava as a player. Okay, he can talk about Frank DeBoer benching him. He was injured for a lot of that season. He was injured for a lot of seasons under Tata Martino. He was injured again at Libertad after having a good start. So there's another side to this than just Frank DeBoer not liking Tito Vijava. While I agree with Tito's sentiments, a lot of part of this is on him too, and, and it's unlucky. I mean, for the most part, but he struggled with his fitness and injuries for several years now, and that's kept him off the field just as much as managers not liking him. According to the article, he also injured his MCL. I don't know what the extent of that injury is, but um, as someone who who is still recovering from ACL surgery and myself, um, I can tell you it's not uh, an easy comeback. So we also have to consider that should Tito Vijalba want to. Should, should that be like a – I know it's just Tito saying it, but if that's something that the front office is actually considering, which I'm not saying it is, but um, that would be a consideration because he might not be the same player. And I believe he had knee issues in 2019 as well, similar where it wasn't uh, – and I know he had hip issues. He hasn't had a serious structural injury, but these these little 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 minor injuries seem to keep popping up and – uh, causing him to lose time so it almost it almost seems like his body is telling him hey <laughs> I'm, I'm big on these uh these 
what's called bulletproofing your knee these days. And uh, it's almost like his body's about to tell him, like, hey, something's about to happen if you keep I playing. I mean, just the way, the way playing. he play, the way yeah. he plays is so violent and powerful. Mm-hmm. I mean, the way he runs, you know, yeah. it's just definitely conducive to injuries. But um, great. Again, well, if you haven't read the piece by Felipe, you got to go read it. It's just great. I, I, know, I know that I've been down on him, especially in the, in the most of his career with Atlanta United. I, I, obviously, he had some major impact, and there's some amazing memories that, that have Tito – you know, shining bright. Uh, I would welcome him back because I feel like a guy like Hanse would 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 figure out a way to use him a lot better than Frank DeBoer did, and and maybe utilize him even a little bit better than uh, Tata Martino did there, during the end of of his uh, of his era here. I would welcome him back. I wouldn't expect him to be like an like a like a starting eleven player. I'd, I'd expect him to be kind of an accessory piece, but I would absolutely welcome him back because he's better than most of the people on the bench we have at the moment. You know, the role that I think would be perfect for him, like if he were to come back to Atlanta United, is a role that I think Gabriel Heinze is very familiar with because he played with a player that excelled in this role. I'm talking Ali Gunnar Solskjaer, the current manager of Manchester United, the super sub role, that role of sitting on the bench, reading the game, figuring out what the game needs, being able to kind of see what the defense is presenting you. And then especially with Tito's skill set of, just running straight at the defense and hoping kind of that something happens. I feel like he could be that sort of super sub kind of off the bench guy. Yeah. I I don't think that he's going to be a guy because he wasn't even that under Tata Martino uh, in terms of being a guy that is starting every game and is an integral part of your starting 11, but a depth piece and a rotational player and a guy that can come in and certainly change the game in like the 70th minute. Absolutely. Again, you know, talking about all of the injuries and everything. Yeah, he is a player that seemed to be a tad injury prone, but Josh hit the nail on the head with none of it really being structural. So you would hope that maybe he could get over those things. And it's it's very possible that, you know, the because it didn't seem like that he was as oft injured under like Tata Martino as it got to be after he left. And that could have had a lot to do with the training regimens of uh, of Frank DeBoer and, and kind of changing that stuff up, the way that you train, the way that you do that stuff. So I would say that a guy like Tito could come in, absolutely be sort of that Sulkshire type player that isn't necessarily one you're going to be starting all that often, but certainly a guy that could come in and change a game, you know, at the drop of a hat. To the Man U fan to reference a 1990s off the bench Norwegian striker who people he was a he was a anyways. player with Manchester United right. through 2007. Okay, 2007. Wow. Was he really? Yes. Oh, wow, he st- he stuck around for what a what a legend. Uh, but uh, yeah. so let me push let me push on one thing. Uh, I think that the main takeaway a lot of people are getting from this piece is oh Tito would love to come back. To me, that's kind of the throwaway part of this piece. The kind of rumors we see with uh, with Atlanta United players where they're like, oh, yeah, I'd love to go back to this club where I used to play. The fans treated me great. You know, to me, the big, the big, big part of this is, is Tito confirming in a way that we haven't really heard before just how bad things got. Um, yeah, that Frank DeBoer under, sucked under the last couple of years. <laughs> we, we had and, we had it a little we had a little bit from LGP, right? And but then, I, I agree, I agree. But and then, this... but I, I'm with you because I was about to bring the same thing up. I remember thinking, okay, well, that's one player. I I I need to hear from a few more to. Con- I mean, we all kind of heard the stories behind the scenes and kind of had a feeling that it, it was more. This was all more on Frank DeBoer and, and than anything else. Not so. Well, much LGP wasn't behind the scenes. He called him out during the season. Like I'm talking about MLS. I'm talking about after he was gone. Because well, we did both. 
What I sure. think is interesting, though, with the LGP thing, the one thing he did say when, when, he, when he spoke with Felipe and with others was he kind of gave the idea that uh, he left Atlanta United because of, because of business. I mean, there was talk that he was going to leave if he could get a pay raise, that they had always agreed that he would go. And, and now we're seeing maybe these guys didn't want to go. You know, that they were legitimately just not a part of DeBoer's plans, clashed with the manager, and the club made the dis- – and they made many of these disastrous decisions to basically take DeBoer's side and ship these guys out. Because I was surprised. I mean, I was surprised that Tito said, no, I wanted to stay. I, I loved it there. But I just – I wasn't able to get on the field, and the players were losing trust in the manager. That's the part that jumps off the page to me. Because you're right, Eric. LGP did say this. But his departure, he made it sound – to me, it just sounded like th- this was the end of his time here. You know, he, he wanted to uh, wanted to be back in a primarily – well, I guess he, then he came back to MLS, but initially in, in a primarily Spanish-speaking uh, uh, environment uh, that he wanted uh, – you know, there, there was the, – and I can't remember the report, but there was the report, report that he got a pay raise, and it had always been agreed that if he got a pay raise that he'd be shipped out. So there was more like kind of a business part attached to it with Perez and, and, and now I think Tito is showing us that these guys never wanted to leave. Uh, it was, and it was just all about the managerial decision. And certainly, hopefully, as, when he speaks about the future, you're seeing the club recognize the mistakes that they've made over the last couple of years. And certainly, these quotes from Fijalba are, are confirm, confirming those errors. I don't love the pattern that I've seen in how LGP was, was sold and then how, uh, how Tito was sold. Because it, it seems as though neither one of these players knew that they were being sold until they were already sold. Um, it's like, it seems like there was no discussion made. I think in the, in the, in the piece, uh, in Tito Vijalba's piece, he talks about how he was eating lunch and then he gets a call from Boca Negra and three hours later, he's supposed to be at Hartsfield to get on a plane to go to Paraguay. Yeah, that was dirty. <laughs> and, and I just sit there, I'm like, okay, well, may, may, that might leave a, a very sour taste in the mouth of some of these players and uh, might not, make it very hard for them to, to, to talk badly about this club, you know, once they've departed. Um, it, it's, that was, that was one of the, the more unsettling things um, that I out of this piece. The first one being that, that kind of just the, 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 the confirmation, the acknowledgement that, okay, most of what happened in the last two seasons have fully been on Frank DeBoer, uh, at least at this point. Um, and so, I guess like to, to wrap it up, I guess good on Atlanta United for, for pulling the trigger on, on his firing and then, you know, going after someone that what fit more of the mold that, that, uh, that you saw in 2017, 2018, um, which kind of leads into a great segue to the rumor that Paul McDonough might be returning to Atlanta United front office, um, which to, it, it, I've never seen a team be like, all right, we got to do everything we can to get back to, everything back to exactly what it was in 2017 2018 yeah i'm not even sure at this point though that that's like a rumor you know <laughs> i think i think well, it's sure pretty... but it's not it's not it's not like they've announced that he's back oh it's team. not confirmed of and course. also but interesting yeah. that inter miami although it's probably not related but inter miami now supposedly going and hiring phil neville so mcdonough leaves atlanta Terrible. they go hire a european coach so maybe he i, I don't know we're just throwing shit at the wall see if it sticks here but maybe he left Atlanta because he saw look this club is not going the direction that I want and now we see Miami going another direction with their manager hiring a European manager maybe he sees this similar uh similar friction there although I don't know guys I mean I feel like we're throwing all these names down that and just trying to apply blame to specific people the last two years are we really sure like he was the 
the reason that the personnel stuff went down the drain. Or well, the I think a lot of it has to do with the way that you build a, a club. You build your team. And he, this guy, in terms of MLS, knows how to build a club, knows yeah, how to navigate sure. the salary cap as well as anyone as we've ever seen. And I can only imagine how that conversation went when David Beckham was like, Hey, man, I've got a buddy over here and Phil Neville. He could be our manager. And then uh, Paul McDonald's like, uh, no, I'm out. Deuces. And I I just saw this happen, you know, uh, or started to see this happen in Atlanta. So I'm going to get out of here while I can. There's no evidence to suggest that that Paul McDonough would have paid Emerson Hyman a million plus to come. So – Th- those are the that's the kind of mentality that that kind of bit best bang for your buck around your star players around the players that are earning the most amount of money that are the biggest hit on your salary cap um that's where it seems like he was the biggest biggest factor um and i mean it, it, you've heard joe patrick talking about how you know he's he's a guy that could really come in and, and help atlanta you know wheel and deal and, and utilize the budget in that regard it's it's something that um it's something that seemed like was missing the last two years where, where it's like you had your, your, your DPs and then everyone else around the DPs was just not great. I mean, the, 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 the best evidence was, was last year when it seemed like we were just throwing stuff on the wall and, and hoping it worked and throwing up random starting 11s that, that did or didn't make sense. It, it just seemed like there was obviously there, you had an interim manager and everything. So a lot of stuff was weird, but um, there was no, you knew, midway through last season that this season that the fall this coming up season there had to be some major roster turnover for Atlanta United to be a a a relevant team in 2021 and so part of I feel like I think most people feel like part of the reason you saw as much success as you did especially in the in the supplementary pieces that Atlanta United brought in was because of Paul McDonough's ability to to work around the budget to to find talent or to help find talent, um, and to do what kind of made sense. I mean, he he, look, Tata Martino left, he and Paul McDonough leaves. You know, you you've seen what happens. Yeah, granted, I mean, granted, we won we we won three trophies in 2019, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing. You know, you have such a good thing going that that Atlanta United certainly did have, and then you know you kind of blow it up a little bit, and they didn't blow it up. I mean, McDonough chose a different opportunity, and I'm sure. You know, he had his reasons for it, uh, cha-ching. Um, but um, sometimes you realize the grass isn't always greener on the other side. And then, you know, to get a guy like that to come back, uh, you know, would, would, would be absolutely incredible for Atlanta United just because, you know, it's one of those, if it ain't broke, don't fix it type things. Well, that guy, when he was in charge of kind of crunching the numbers and everything for, for the roster, things were going a lot better. So yeah. I, I think overall for Atlanta United, uh, that news – is probably, you know, right up there with hiring Gabriel Heinze as important for the future of Atlanta United. Hopefully when you consider the links to the players that we're starting to see for Atlanta United, which are very encouraging, my hope is that Paul McDonough's return is based on him, not not just the cha-ching factor that Sam brings up, but also him looking at Atlanta and saying, they're getting their shit back together. This is something I want to be a part of again. So that's what I hope, too, that – that, it, that this is, uh, you know, he left because maybe he saw, you know, the direction it was going and, and maybe he's coming back now because he can see the club is back in a direction that he can see himself getting on board with and is more similar to the type of team that he envisioned and built in Atlanta. 
Yeah, you bring up the link between Atlanta United and uh, an Ecuadorian midfielder by the name of Moises Caicedo. Ecuador, uh, baby. Future, future uh, Sam favorite player right there. <laughs> uh, 19, year, 19, year, 19 years old, uh, one of the hottest commodities, especially at the, at the midfield position. Manchester United reportedly offering him a 4.1, 4.5 million euro bid. Um, and then just looking at the, 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 the tweets that have come out about it, Atlanta United's bid uh, apparently is financially the best by far, which I got to think as means that they, they, they definitely pushed past Manchester United's offer. And, and hopefully we're talking about, you know, one of the most promising midfielders uh, in the game right now coming to Atlanta United for the 2021 season. Um, I, I've watched him play. I mean, I've watched like YouTube highlights of him and everything. And, and I feel like he'd be a good fit. I, I feel like him and, and a very healthy, very back to form Joseph Martinez would be incredibly fun to watch. I mean, here's the thing. You get a guy like that to come in here and, you know, not, and look, it, it seems still pretty far fetched that he's going to come to Atlanta United over some of these uh, other hey, bigger clubs. Money, money talks. Well, that's the thing. It's possible that Atlanta United are, are throwing off his way that he can't refuse and, and he wants to come play for Gabriel Heinze for a few years before vaulting over to Europe. I think we saw that, obviously, with a guy like Miguel Amiron, who had been, you know, getting some overtures from Europe, but decided to come play for Tata Martino and use it as a stepping stone. And it's worked out pretty well for him. Uh, you know, he may stay at Newcastle, he may not. You might want to talk to his agent about that. But, um, you know, it's, it's good to have your team linked with guys like this. Like, when you have a transfer rumor and Atlanta United is being mentioned in the same sentence as Manchester United, uh, Chelsea, Everton, you know, et cetera, although one of those is not like the other two. Um, you, you still have a, a situation where your team is being mentioned with some of the biggest clubs in the world. So, you know, best case scenario, Atlanta gets this kid who looks like he's, you know, already ready to go. Like, like he is 100% ready to impact your team. And, and that's why, you know, I think a, a team like Manchester United would even be uh, going after him. But on, on the flip side, like worst case scenario, you know, your team clout has gone up because you're being mentioned in the same breath with some of the biggest clubs in the world. I, I will say look at his age. Go ahead. Aaron. I was, I will say, even if he does come to Atlanta, assuming he does and does say not perform, like we think someone like him should perform in MLS, his reputation just because of the Manchester United bid, because of, because of how hot of a commodity he is right now, I feel like that would carry, even if you did happen just to break even on them later on. I don't, I'm not saying that's the case, but it's, I, I feel like there's very little downside to, to, well, obviously cause he's so talented. There's very little downside to, to taking a chance on a guy like him uh, specifically because he's a, a player of need for Atlanta United. Um, I think he can kind of give you at least on paper and in the highlights I've seen, he, it looks like he, he can be a type of player that gives you that kind of Albiron factor, that, that excitement that, that Albiron uh, brought you not comparing the two because they're they're different players but but it's box uh, to box speed that's it, what it's sure yeah and, and his ability i mean the one thing we loved about Almiron was his ability to take the ball turn and just start running up the field and i feel like he has a good bit of that himself so it could bring back that similar 2017 2018 vibe that you know for 2019 2020 was 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 so desperately missing so i mean i i don't think anyone's saying don't pull the trigger on this i think everyone's excited about it i um but hopefully these are these are rumors that are are more true than not true and and we're talking about a a kind of a new look for 2021 moving forward because I, I feel like we're still in need of kind of these danger pieces do we have joseph martinez coming back obviously from injury 
But even in the midfield, he still looked like as much as we want to give Barco a chance, he's been here long enough to where you kind of know what he's going to give you unless he has some kind of a ridiculous standout year, which I hope he does. And he um, needs Joseph to link up with too. Like it's sure. not just yeah, he's, also not gonna, Joseph he's also not going to play in the midfield though. I mean, I think the bar, the bar, the situation, I, 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 I get the, that. I the get problem that. you had it's, was it's Barco more, was having, go ahead. It's more the, 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 the impact that him, he as a player will have on this team, not so much where he'll play position positionally. Yeah, but I think so. The issue with Barco was that since you didn't have those dynamic guys in the middle, he had to come all the way sure. back to yeah, get the ball. Right. We saw the same with PT, and we. Uh, but I'm. I mean, I, I first of all, I think this is a legitimate that came from Roger Gonzalez, who has been extraordinarily accurate uh, with Atlanta United stuff. I mean, he's like Cesar Merlo level in terms of, uh, and Roger Gonzalez who uh, works for, I believe, CBS. I could be wrong. But he clearly has sources inside the club. I mean, he's been right on several things. He knew Joseph Martinez. He was the first person to report that he had torn his ACL. So this is someone with sources inside the club. So if he reports that a bid is coming from Atlanta United and that it's significantly larger than, than any other bid, I believe it. So I think there's a legitimate chance that this can happen. Yeah, I'm waiting for the for all the rumors to kind of come out and, and, and kind of be more solidified. I mean, no, I, I, I'm, I'm with you. Um, when it comes to this specific rumor, but you've also got the one about Almendra that's kind of floating around. And uh, more bids are going to come in for Kaiser. Sure. I mean, you yeah, I, I, got, I have a feeling that Manchester might re-up his bid and or might re-up their bid and, and try to steal him from Atlanta United if, if you know, if what we're thinking is, is actually happening. Um, but this is the kind of player that 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 fits the mold for Atlanta United and, and even more so than Barco and Pity did. Well, definitely more than Pity did, not because of the – the 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 play but more because of the age and and the future sell-on factor uh but it it uh the way this would likely work because we already have three dps is that they buy moreno down uh make him a tam player and then make caicedo a dp player that's that's a big kind of ancillary part of this because this is something we talked about since the moreno signing was it looks like barco is not going to be sold once that became clear you got to, are you going to buy this guy down? Because if you can buy a player like Moreno down and bring in another DP type, I mean, you're even stronger. So the fact that that appears to be happening, that uh, again, a sign that Land United are really building this roster properly uh, uh, for 2021. Um, one of the other pieces of uh, information that was leaked in, <laughs> in the news recently is this third kit from Land United. Uh, which looks like it might be a maroon color set to be revealed in May 2021. I've seen it. I, I don't know if it's the kit or at least the shirt, but it basically looks like a training top in maroon. And my initial thought, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but my initial thought was it was the most boring thing I've ever seen in my life. I like thing, I'm not even sure if that's uh, – that feels like to me that somebody just like, I, took the exact training kit because it looks yeah, exactly like that red too. training top that you could see in the uh, team store. And, like, I know people that have that exact one. So I'm not buying into this that that's what it's going to be necessarily because that looks way too similar to just that kind of normal training top that they had last season. I don't think that they would just be like, Okay, we're like we're gonna be super lazy and just repurpose these. Like they just had a, a they had a kit. bad they had a bad batch of training tops that came in that are maroon. They're like, yeah, we'll just make the third kit next year. Yeah. Well, I look. I when when you come to when it comes to third kits, you wanted to. I I like them to be as creative as possible and to not kind of follow the 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 norm of 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 what you already have. I the best example within MLS that I can think of is uh, Portland's 
third kit from a while ago that was that was red and I think had actual flowers on it for Rose City. So it great, was great kit. It was cool to ha- it was cool to see that. I remember playing as Portland before, I don't know what what FIFA this was, but um I remember I would always play in their red shirts because it was it just looked so cool to me. The LA uh, Galaxy so that, had a great third kit a few years back too, that black one with the uh red and like yeah, green nice. and yellow accents. That's always been my favorite third but kit. But that that's what you think of as third kit. If it's just going to be a, a basically the same thing you already have just in a different color, I I'm, I'm not about it. Well, I, I like don't, the don't idea waste your time of, or your money. I like the idea of of it being maroon. I I like that. But why? Why maroon? I don't know. I just like the color. <laughs> it's a fucking jersey. <laughs> I, look, I, I agree with you, but why Language, not make please. more more, right, more more relevant to to uh to to Atlanta? Well, they had a damn peach jersey, and everyone complained about that too. So I don't we, know what, what I, you people want. You just complain about every jersey that comes out. Clearly, oh, there's seven stripes. There's not five stripes. Oh, it's gray. It's not white. Oh, it's peach. It's it's just a if you, very if you, I'm not, I'm not saying I thought it was. I, I'm not saying I like the peach, I king peach jerseys. I, yeah, we agreed on that. King orange jerseys. You Listen, mean? even even if you thought it, even if you didn't like it, it was still creative. It was still something you'd be like, okay, well at least they went a different route for this jersey. That's what I would have expected. That to me, if that came out as the third kit, I'd be like, that's awesome, that's amazing, because that's exactly the kind of creativity you want to see out of out of out of a third out of a third kit, not you know. The same thing you already have in a different color. I'm with Eric. I absolutely want something a little different, something that is not anywhere close to what you have. Like Like uh, you know, colors that colors that aren't part of your normal color scheme. Like just just something different. Like that's what a third kit has always been to me. Like I mean, look at go go look at Europe right now. Look at those Manchester United zebra kits. Like those things are horrendous. But and and then I think uh, Man City had like a paisley kit. So, like, I mean, they just go so far outside of the box. Yeah. They don't always look great, but I think that's the spirit you're trying to embody with a third kit. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, it's not, Again, I, for what I read, it's not set to get released until May of 2021. So Which is weird. May, May of this year. Like, yeah, the, the, another, another aspect weird. of it. The, 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 I think it's um, – uh, what's the website? I, I see it all the time, and I, I at the, in the moment – right now I'm forgetting what, what it's called, but footy, footy headlines? I think it's what something it? like that. What's the one that leaked the jersey? Uh, it was. I'm scrolling back through. Give me a second here. Um, actually, I'm not seeing it right now. So Whatever. Uh, it, 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 the, I forget the name. It's like footy headlines or I forget what it is. But um, they've been very accurate when it comes to the type of jerseys and the type of kits that have been released. So I, I, don't, I don't doubt that they're – I don't doubt them. I don't, I don't question, which makes me even more, more – not upset, but just like annoyed i guess that that it would be this that it would, it's a maroon color and then it's basically a tra- what we already have in the, in the training tops and just in a different color but whatever it's you know not my club <laughs> but uh, it is your it, club it, it, it's our <laughs> club <laughs> man come on yes uh I'm what, member. If, I, if i were making those decisions they'd be very different decisions that's all i'm saying at least when it comes to that specific jersey um eric would have us wearing like hot sauce colored uniform <laughs> yeah <laughs> i love it uh, before we take off, I just want to give a big shout out to our sponsor, Lucid FC, uh, distinctively modern clothing line based right here in Atlanta, reflects a deeply British American heritage design approach, uh, promotes freedom of fashion, gender, and role. Brand's iconic logo, immediately recognizable, Lucid FC, uh, pants, outerwear, hats, shirts, hoodies. Right now, the big thing is obviously the mask they have with their uh, Lucid FC uh, logo. Guys, ask me what the FC and Lucid FC stands for. What does the FC and Lucid, Lucid FC stand for? Footwear and clothing. Perfect match. Oh. For all the football 
the fans of the football clubs. They got a cool little boutique over there in Buckhead. I mean, I was over there, uh, you know, for around Christmas time, and they're, like, right behind that, like, Patagonia store, like, you know, where all the uh, Buckhead bars, like Buckhead Saloon are and stuff. So they're in a good little spot yeah, over they got there. Spot. Every music video I see with Jack Harlow in it, he's, he's wearing something Lucid FC, so good on them. Uh, check them out, www.lucidfc.us. Check them out on Instagram, Lucid FC. Same with Twitter, all the social media accounts. Um, Use the code DSS to get a little discount if uh, you're so inclined. Uh, go check them out, and uh, you know, feel free to buy something if uh, if you like it. Yeah. Uh, how many uh, How many Jack Carlo videos have you watched, Eric? A few. Last time you said you didn't know who he was, and now you're like, oh, he's pop. It's not all he the. He did his Jack- research. So I don't. I don't know. There, there's plenty of songs that I know how they go. I have no idea who they're sung by. So I've heard this. I've heard his song a million times because it's a. It's a big. Uh, not that I have TikTok anymore because I had to delete it. But um, one of the songs was like big on TikTok for a while, and I kept you hearing it over and over, so and over again. You sound so old. You sound. Oh, so I know. Old I, right I, I let me. I have the TikTok. I have the before, delete. It. Before we go, let me tell you a story about TikTok. Like 2014, 2015, when TikTok was like just coming out, and it was more like a lip singing app than anything That's else. When it came out. I think so. I, I don't know. I don't remember. I texted my I sister who I texted my sister who was like a my sister was a freshman or sophomore in high school or in college. And I texted her, Hey, have you heard of this TikTok app? And she goes, Yeah, it's for like 15 and 16 year olds. <laughs> so which I was that. like, All right, well, I'm deleting this app. That's weird to me. I can't believe I downloaded it to begin with. Four or five years later, it's bigger than 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 Facebook and I don't even know what else. And uh, I, every time I every time it comes up, I look at my sister. Remember when you thought this was nothing? Remember when you thought this was a dumb app? Yeah. Well, you were like, the I could have been, been, yeah. been TikTok famous by now. You could have been. You're 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 there before it was cool. I could have been wow. a TikTok influencer. Good job, Eric. Yeah. Once no thanks. Um, all right. Any final thoughts for you guys? Yeah. One I'm just thing about the season to start. Yeah, man. And I would say one thing that makes me excited is we've talked about, you've got to upgrade the center midfield. You're seeing multiple rumors now with Caicedo. We've talked about Almendra on previous podcasts. The team is clearly looking to upgrade the spots where they need help. That's not the way we felt this time a year ago. So that is very good to see. I'm with you, Sam excited for 2021. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I just want the season to start. Um, you know, it, there's been some collective bargaining stuff. I think we'll get into it, you know, maybe next week or on some other episodes. But, you know, it seems like uh, the season, for the most part, looks like it's going to start on time. So that that's what's looking good for me right now. I'm excited to see if Paul McDonough can actually shake things up. Should he come back? Um, and hoping that he has the impact that we all think he had in 2017, 2018. Um, all right, where can they find you on the social media? You can find me at Eric G. Quintana. At Sam J. Franco right here. Josh, Josh B. is at Josh B. 914. Before he lags out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, that'll do it for us. Until next time. See you later, Atlanta. My voice cracked.